Tonight, we welcome Clementine Darling to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Around 10 years ago, Clementine busked down the West Coast from Seattle before settling in the North Bay. Tonight, we'll explore the person she's become in that time, the events that have shaped her, what she stands for, and much more. Please welcome to the program, Clementine Darling. Welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Tonight, we're celebrating 10 years of Clementine Darling in the North Bay. Yeah. Yeah. This is now my home. This is now your, officially, officially, as of this year. Yeah. That's at the 10 to, year mark. You yeah, can say 10 that. years. Let's talk about the period of time where you hit the road and you started down the coast. Because it was like that, that decision really paved the way for everything that you do now. Absolutely. It completely changed my life, and I didn't expect that. I wanted something new, but I didn't expect it to change everything. Okay, so what was your life like prior to this busking trip? Um, I had been working corporate jobs uh, for a few years, and I had ended up in Seattle at corporate Starbucks. I was not a barista. I was in uh, what they call the mothership, uh, the largest building in Seattle. It's a half mile long and 11 stories high. And I was just a number... uh, a robot that beeped myself in and beeped myself out. And it was a weird life. And uh, the only thing I did besides work was go see live music. And that really kept me going. So they they didn't hire you because you could sing? No, no, not at all. I wasn't allowed to sing. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if that was an official policy, honestly. (laughs) It might be. (laughs) Uh, That's the policy in the office I work at. And I said it. But um, so, okay. Starbucks corporate um, was the choice to leave because you just felt like you were going down a path that you did not want to go down for your life. Um, I think so. There was a couple things. Uh, first off, it it never the weather never changed in Seattle, and it was just gray and raining. I ended up leaving in June, and it was still fifty five degrees and gray and raining. And so that weather, I mean, it just, it, it put me in a, in a funk where I didn't seem like I could get out of it. And then the job kind of went hand in hand with the weather. Um, and I just felt like, yeah, that wasn't the path for me. I didn't know what was out there, but I just knew I wanted to take a road trip and see. And I, I wanted to chase the sunshine as corny as it sounds. I came to California for the sun. Was there like an inciting incident where you were like, enough is enough? Where, like, if we were watching the movie of your life, uh, someone comes in, they drop uh, 50 pounds of paperwork on your desk. Or uh, there's some sort of, you know, a a family thing, uh, you know, a friend thing. Was there any moment where you were like, okay, enough's enough? Or was it just an accumulation of just sort of banal sort of uh, whatever? I I want something different in my life. 
Um, I'd say there was a moment. I, it wasn't like a movie moment where I'm like, I've had it. This is it. But when I look back, I remember I had gotten so good at the script because I took phone calls. It was customer service that I didn't have to look at the screen or look at any prompts anymore. And I could take a whole phone call with my eyes closed. So I'd feed music into one ear and I'd have my headset on the other ear and I would take probably a hundred calls a day. And at the end, I, I was just sore and tired and I would sit on the floor under my desk and take my calls. What, what, what would a customer service call at a Starbucks be? God, I'm so happy you asked that because so I wanted to know I'm the really to that. happy you asked that too. So there was this time, it was in 2009, 2010, and I think it was probably a Reddit thread that inspired it, where if you called and complained to Starbucks, they would send you two coupons for free drinks. And the internet found out. And so they decided, you know, people decided, I'm going to get my free coffee. And so people would call and complain about the craziest things. I had a woman call and complain because they put her whipped cream on the top and not the bottom. And she kept asking. She's like, it doesn't make any sense. You put it on the top. It sticks to the lid. I've been asking for the whipped cream on the bottom was just irate. But I could tell she was just wanting the coupons. Do you feel like that did something to your soul, having that job, listening to people complain at you and kind of be mean all day long? It did. Uh, I, I still feel like I'm affected by it. Like if I see somebody be mean to a waiter or waitress in a restaurant, like I, I might say something because I can. And back then I couldn't. And it was my job to reward people for their bad behavior. Oh. And I just felt like I was contributing to this world where it's like, yeah, it's okay. Like treat people bad, like, you know, rat people out, get people in trouble to get yourself a cup, a cup of coffee, like do what you got to do for you. That's okay. And that, that didn't feel okay to me. So it was time to do something different. Yeah. And so uh, you set out, did you set out alone? No, I set out with a partner that I met in Seattle, um, we had met actually at the job in the same training classroom and we decided to take an adventure together. And how long was that person a part of this uh, story? Almost five years. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Okay. Well, uh, the viewer should take note of that because I feel <laughs> like this person's exit, this partner's exit, is going to play a role in later events that uh, spawn in the 2015-2017 era. Not, not to spoil it, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, you, you set out, and uh, is it a hitchhiking situation? Are you driving in a car? I sold my car. We left in his Jeep, and we slept in the back of it. Did it feel like now, between the two of you, the partner, uh, was this a stress test on the relationship or did it feel like, yeah, oh, this is working. This is fine. Um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you don't know someone until you end up on the road and living in a vehicle with them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, leave it, <laughs> we'll leave it at that, I suppose. Um, so w what's interesting to me about this whole thing is, and this is all like setting the groundwork for, for where you are now, which is, I, I would say like, honestly, it, it maybe has taken seven to 10 years to fully bloom into the sort of life that maybe you were destined to have here. I think so. Because the first five to seven, I mean, seven is when it really starts to kick off when like the, the, the slow burn of your like life story in the last 10 years, like really takes off. I wrote for my first album, the songs Marianne and Hesitate 
in those five years. Uh, the relationship I was in was not supportive and it was very isolating and abusive. And so I didn't pursue anything for myself for my first five years. And it wasn't until I left that relationship that I really just decided to go for it completely. And I didn't know what it was, but I tried a little of this and a little of that. And uh, like I sent you in the message, I lived in a beach or in a van on the beaches of Maui for six months. And that was as soon as I left that relationship. Okay, and that was in 2015? 2015, yeah. 15-ish. Yeah. Who was Marianne? Marianne was not a real person. So, uh, like I said, the relationship was not the best thing. And he really picked apart my songs um, to the point where he tried to find uh, clues in them to as as to what I was doing behind his back, which was nothing. But someone like that is always suspicious. And so I decided to write a song about nobody. I don't know anyone named Marianne. Um, it didn't work. He, he still thought it was code for, for me cheating on him, which, you know. Um, but it, it really, to be honest, was inspired by an episode of the show True Detective, uh, season one. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I saw, I don't even remember what, what the episode exactly had, but something in that episode made me decide I'm going to write this song. I'm going to write it outside of myself. And that way I'm not responsible for what it's about. And then the other song that you wrote during that time, because it seems, seems like those two songs, uh, I mean, you, you could say it's a fictional character mm-hmm. and all that, but it really does feel like it's significant as far as like, maybe not the content of the songs themselves, but mm-hmm. like the, the way you would go about writing them, obviously having to like, be afraid of somebody parsing through your song lyrics mm-hmm. is a, is a pretty traumatic uh, yeah. thing. And, uh, not only because of the lack of trust, but also because it's like you, you have zero freedom that that shows me you had zero freedom in that relationship. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in hesitate. Yeah. What, what was the nature of that song? Um, hesitate, I think was me at the end of that relationship, just done with, with holding myself back. And I knew that being in that relationship was holding myself back. Um, I had a friend pass away in a car accident. And it's kind of hidden in the song um, that I, him and I used to talk about music and he was a musician. And so the song is kind of, uh, it has a part for him too. And when he passed away, I just felt like, what am I doing with my life? Uh, I'm wasting time. I'm, I'm not, you know, doing what I'm supposed to and so hesitate was just about hesitating in my life and and i wanted to cut it out it really feels like the pressure was building underneath the surface for you to make some of the moves you would go on to make Mm -hmm. um so you spent six months in maui yeah is it essential viewing to the clementine darling life story or is it just kind of like a fun vignette um, i mean i think it's pretty essential that was my first uh learning to just like to get out there and suffer a little bit. Um, I didn't have a hot shower for six months. I worked on a horse farm and led horseback tours and foraged for all my food in the jungle. Um, I made $10 an hour and could hardly feed myself, but I just snorkeled every day. I did what I could that was free. And it was just like, this is me getting to be free. And living on Maui was one thing I had said a lot in the past relationship that I wanted to do. And he said, you're never going to do that with me. 
And so it felt like, okay, well, I'm not going to do it with you, so I'm going to go do it. What was his reason for saying something like that? I think it was just control. Yeah. It must have been interesting during those first five years then, upending your life so dramatically. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think like, I just, I want to hit the reset button. I want to go back to Seattle. Did that ever cross your mind? No, it felt like an accomplishment to make it to California. It's ever, um, my, my dad's family is from the San Diego area and I spent my whole childhood coming down to San Diego and Mexico because my dad's from Mexico and I just felt like I needed to be here. I never felt like I belonged in my hometown. And so when I finally got here, it just felt like, no, I'm digging my heels in and I'm staying. I assume you just did normal person life stuff, uh, probably some working, some dating, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then April 2017 comes and there's a whole thing to talk about there. But is there anything worth mentioning in your life story between that period, you coming back from Maui and you going to that John Craigie show in April of 2017 uh, that's worth mentioning? Yeah, I fell in love. <laughs> um it was December of, I guess, 2016. And uh, I met somebody, and we had been friends for about six months, but it happened really fast. And then he went on a trip and traveled through South America for three months. And we visited each other at the halfway point. I went down to Peru to see him. Um, and then he came back and we ended things. And I did not expect that. It was just like from this wild, crazy, passionate love affair to nothing. And uh, so I'd say that kind of left me seeking something. It, it fits with the narrative. Yeah. It, it fits with the narrative because I think everything you've mentioned so far was like, oh, this could work. Oh, it's not working. Out. Mm-hmm. Oh, this could work. Oh, this doesn't feel right. Oh, I'm going to go over here. Oh, I need to. So many like important events but events that were ultimately in the moment probably dissatisfying mm-hmm. or uh, uh, semi-traumatic honestly mm-hmm. and then it, it just feels like from what i know of your 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 arc your you know the, the path that has left you led you to this moment um it started to shift and it feels like it started to shift in april of 2017 which is when i believe you went to see that show in san francisco yeah this was a show with uh, john craigie and a woman named vanessa may who's in the band the rainbow girls and um could you go into what happened on that night because that that is like in my opinion the beginning of the snowball yeah. that led to the life you live now. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm friends with Rainbow Girls and Vanessa, and I've never told them the story. So it's, yeah. Um, so I saw Vanessa at a songwriter's round the day before the show, and she announced that her and the Rainbow Girls and John Craigie were playing a show in San Francisco. And so I went down there to see the show with a friend, and on the way into the show, my friend and I saw a woman having a seizure on the sidewalk. And we stopped and asked her if we needed to call an ambulance, if she was okay. And there was a man holding her down, just like on top of her, holding all of her limbs down. And it almost looked like violent, but at the same time, she's having a seizure. And he's like, no, no, this happens all the time, just kind of dismissing us. And she just turns her head and she's like, hey, do you have a cigarette? Like mid-seizure. And I, the, the opening lines to my song, Choose Love, talk about that woman in that moment. And just that moment broke my heart open to the world. Like I'd ar- I was already dealing with my personal broken heart from my relationship not working out. But just being like, 
damn, this world is lonely. I'm lonely and this world is lonely and all we really have is each other. And uh, I wrote a song at three o'clock in the morning after the show. Yeah, so I would imagine you're at that show and this visual is continuing to go through your mind. Um, and that song, uh, you said it's Choose Love is yeah. the song. And it also, I think most significantly about that song was it was the first song you'd written in five years. Yeah, um, I didn't even expect it to come out. I wasn't actively songwriting. I don't even remember the last time I had played a, my guitar before that. Yeah, so it feels, I don't know, it just feels like that was the beginning of what would be the musical life that you live now. I mean, has it turned off since then, the songwriting and music being present in your life? Um, There's been times uh, going through healing and, and, you know, trauma with the fire and, and things after where I've gone through a few months at a time where I don't write, but I really try to push through those times when I when I do face them and realize, okay, I must have something to say if I'm not getting it out. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the fires and it's like that, that April, 2017 moment, hugely important. I feel like to, to what has happened in your life, what's taken place. And then there's the tubs fire. So, uh, the wildfires. Okay. So, uh, the dude that I was in love with that we, we ended for a while, we got back together. And we did that over a few years. And so uh, we were back together when the wildfires happened and we were living together up at his place. Um, we were on 70 acres. We had a farm, uh, animals, uh, you know, vegetables, cannabis. And uh, we, I, I'll just go to the night. So we went to bed that night. I'd say we went to bed at about 10 p.m. And we'd been canning a lot of stuff from the garden. We were making tomato sauces and chutneys and all sorts of things all day. And we had a pot of tomato sauce on the stove, and we were just about to fall asleep. And I said, hey, will you get up and turn the stove down? I, I don't want the house to burn down tonight. And so he got up and turned the stove down and made sure everything was cool. And we heard the wind come through and, and it hit our greenhouse. And I said, what is that? And he goes, I don't know. We'll see if it's still there in the morning. So there, there were these really weird, creepy things we said to each other right before we fell asleep. Uh, 10.30, we get a call. Calistoga's on fire. And we open the windows. We can kind of smell a campfire smell, but the sky's clear. We can see the stars. We went back to sleep. Uh, I can't believe we went back to sleep, but it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Calistoga was the next town, and I guess we just didn't think about the wind. And 15 minutes later, we get a call, the mountain's on fire, get out. And I woke up, and I... Who, who called? Our neighbors. So we were kind of, like, alerting each other. Yeah. And so I woke up, and I looked out, and I could see, like, we had a pool, and I could see the stars reflecting in the pool. Like, out the window, I could see the moon. And it was, like, three seconds. It was, like, dark blue sky and stars. One, two, three, flames. And it was just, like, all of a sudden, there was just this wall of fire where the clear view had just been. And it was so fast. Like, I barely had time to get some clothes on and I didn't have time to grab much and uh, I went to wake his sister who lived with us and it was just everything that I did felt like this is taking too long this is taking too long this is taking too long um, to the point where I actually I didn't think we were going to get out and I it it was hard but I accepted 
that we weren't going to get out. Um, my ex did not want to leave. Um, he believed he could fight the fire with a garden hose cause he was in shock. And, uh, I just, I couldn't convince him and I knew I wasn't going to leave without him. So I started to think about, you know, my mom and, and, you know, just like, kind of like life flashes before your eyes thing. And, uh, I don't know. I, I was able to snap him out of it. I mean, I had cartoon moments where I'm like, I'm going to knock him out and I'm going to drag him out unconscious. And then I'm like, no, I can't do that. Like, so I was able to get him out and I ran, I didn't have my keys. So I ran outside and I, I checked my pockets and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot my keys inside. And I turn around and I look and the roof is already on fire. Like, and they're upstairs and I'm just like, I'm not going back in that house. Like there's, you know, so I jumped in uh, my my partner's sister's car with my dog, and we got out, and he followed in his truck. Uh, we got about a mile down the road, and we realized our friend's pregnant girl, or fr- she wasn't, pr- we didn't know she was pregnant yet, but our friend's girlfriend was sleeping in his house about a mile down the road, so we had to go back up into the flames and get her out. And both houses were just completely gone, like nothing left, the cars were gone. Like if we hadn't have gone up there, she would have slept through it. Uh, we got down to to the highway about seven miles from where we lived, and we were all just us and the neighbors. We'd all gotten out, and we were standing there just like, wow, I can't believe that happened. And the sheriffs came, and they're like, get out. Like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, what do you mean? We had no idea it was coming into town. Uh, the whole night was us just evacuating from one spot to the other, helping people evacuating, getting family out to the point where we ended up in a house in Santa Rosa with about 30 people at five o'clock in the morning and just stayed up all night and waited for the morning to come. And we ended up staying in that house for about 10 days. Cool. Yeah. Do you remember offhand the poem that you wrote a month before that fire? I do. Yeah. It's uh, lyrics to a song now. So it, I was up, uh, in the Pacific Northwest and humble on a road trip for about three weeks maybe even four right before the fires. And I had been writing a poem because Washington was on fire. My hometown was nearly on fire. Uh, Humboldt was on fire. It seemed like I couldn't escape the smoke. So I wrote this poem. It went, I've got my fire map open, headed into the flames, praying the direction of the wind don't change, California sunshine, wishing for rain. And I started to strum a couple chords and I wrote them in my songbook and then forgot about them and drove home and didn't finish the song. So that was like in September and it wasn't, you know, it was October when the fires happened. Okay. And then in November, um, I think, or maybe it was October, you, um, you went to the hotel yeah, and you discovered this poem, which you had forgotten that you had written Mm -hmm. rush of emotion just came over you. Um, and some of it, it was kind of, it was strange to, to read you describe it to me. You said that you felt betrayed mm-hmm. by the poem. Why did you feel that? I, it, it's, it's a wrong emotion to feel, but I felt like I'm an idiot. Like, why didn't I see this coming? Why didn't I warn anybody? Like, things that are irrational that I felt like it was completely my responsibility that it had happened. Yeah. And then you had a period, I think, um, you described feeling survivor's guilt. Uh, obviously you felt some, some PTSD instead, mm-hmm. um, because, uh, some of your neighbors passed in, in that fire. I mean, there were a number of people that passed away and you lived in a pretty remote area, isn't that mm-hmm. right? 
So there, not everybody was able to be rescued in that, that area that you lived in, correct? Yeah, I lived uh, a bit past Safari West going towards Calistoga. Okay. So it was you know, pretty far out there. And I'd say the worst part for me was realizing I, like, I didn't honk the horn. Like It's such a stupid thing. But I was like, we could have honked the horns all the way out. Like, why didn't we do it? Why didn't we think? I mean, you can you can beat yourself up over why you didn't do what you didn't do. But for whatever reason, that one just ate me up. I'm like, that's such a simple thing to do. I could have been doing it for the whole like 20 minutes we were evacuating and I could have saved people's lives and woke them up. I don't know if that would have actually saved anybody's life, but I told myself that for a while. Yeah. And how long did it take you to get back on your feet emotionally to where you could function after an event like that? I'd say I'm still working on it. Um, but the first year was really hard. Uh, music is the only, I feel like the only thing that really got me through that first year. Uh, the relationship didn't survive the the trauma of what had happened and the ways that we chose to cope were very different. And so I spent a lot of that time alone where I should have probably not been alone. I, I just, yeah, I kind of isolated myself for a long time and I'm sure it was good in some ways, but in some ways I did feel like I was kind of losing my mind a little bit with it. Yeah. And I I believe uh, you play the song fire map tonight. Yeah. And that song has the lyrics in it that you yeah. you recited earlier. What, what's the overall feeling of that song? Is that a song of hope? Is that a song of despair? Um, I, I, I wrote it when I was in the hotel. So I feel like it, it did come more from a place of despair. Like, I feel like I, I maybe sing it with a little bit more of an upbeat feel now just because it's... I feel maybe I can hide sad things in more upbeat songs. Um, but that was just like, I'm here. I'm in this hotel. I'm wearing other people's clothes. They don't match. Like, I'm uncomfortable. And, like, what the heck is going on? So even at this point, you're still not thinking, I'm going to go back up to Washington State? No. Yeah. Uh, my partner wanted me to go home. I think he wanted to feel like he didn't have the extra responsibility of another person to look after when he was you know recovering I actually haven't seen my family in almost three years I haven't seen my family since the fires and that's been trippy for me as time goes on and on to realize like wow like I, I almost feel like a version of me did die in the fire the version of me that went home the version of me that I don't know, whoever I was before the fire. What do you think that did to you? I mean, if a version of you died, what version of you has emerged? Uh, there's, it's kind of like a duality thing. So there's like a fearlessness to the point where it's almost like a brashness where I'm like, I'm not afraid of anything because anything could kill me at any moment. So if I do this thing that's stupid or humiliating, even if in the moment I'm humiliated, who cares? Um, the other side of it is it just wore me down to the point where like I haven't had a relationship in a year and a half and I have zero desire to have one. I've, uh, I, I did it more as like, a a test or a commitment to myself the first year. I'm like, I'm staying single. I'm not, I'm not interacting with anybody on that plane. 
and now more time has gone by and I'm like I feel like maybe now I'm just using it as an excuse to not let anybody in not be vulnerable not have any intimacy and not get hurt so like a hardened version of you has emerged from that yeah and a more focused version like I, I feel like relentless is probably the right word in, in the way I pursue my music career. I don't always know what I'm doing, but I'm going to keep doing it. Just every action I take is now focused on this, and it feels like I'm finally aligned and in the right direction. So it gave me that. It kind of, like, I hate to use the word, but it burned away everything that wasn't important and just left me with what I need. Well, um... Tom, I know you're uh, feeling a little under the weather tonight. Uh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. This has been such a fascinating story. Yeah. Essentially, you hit the road 10 years ago, and you're still on the road. Exactly. Well, that bears well for a, a, a songstress. <laughs> and, uh, I hope it inspires more. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, I... The, for a long period of my life, I, the thought of the road was such a romantic idea. Because mm-hmm. I've gotten older, I, I realize that, that I'm not going to go there. Yeah. But uh, you are in a grand adventure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't think you're done with it yet. Well, thanks for being a part of that adventure. Weirdly, though, I get this feeling you're going to end up back on a farm one day. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, think I hope will. I get a horse and all of all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> all I can say is thank you so much for joining yeah, us tonight. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been wonderful to be able to share my story. Ten years from now, we will uh, do this again. Yes, maybe sooner. Um, because <laughs> I will do it from the living room of your, of your farm. All right, sounds yeah. good. Hundred percent. I would hundred percent do that. I absolutely. Mm-hmm. Ten years from now, if I have a farm, we're doing it. Or reach out before if you get a farm before as then. As soon we'll, as we'll, I get we'll my farm, we'll do one on the farm. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you you have become really a force in the Sonoma County music world in the last, I would say, couple years. I mean, we've been doing the show for six years now, Mm -hmm. and I I wasn't really familiar with you three or four years ago, but that's not really a surprise, because you hadn't been doing music at that point. Yeah, I had never done an open mic four years ago. And and now you look at the different uh, venues that have their calendars and all that, and you are a presence. Um, And it was a thrill to have you on tonight. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And now in just a moment, the music. Yeah, Clementine stick around Darling for that. He's going to be on the stage. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you.
just keep rolling. Got a fireman up ahead in the flames. Pray the direction of the wind on California sunshine. Wish for Things you can never leave behind.